Uh, this message series that we're starting, it's called Ask Lakeside Church Anything, and we put a survey out, and it's still out there if you wouldn't want any of your questions answered, and you can go to tinyurl.com slash asklakeside, um, or write a question on one of the comment cards, and and we want, to, we want to get to the real root of what people are asking. We're taking the top three most asked questions, and uh, we're trying to go through it. And here was a question that came in a few different ways, because some people ask questions that are similar, and uh, we're going to try to go into it. And I, th- I think it's going to be good, and I think God is going to speak, and, I, and I'm really honored to be here. The question is, like, why did God put two trees in the garden if he knew that man would sin? Another person, they asked the question a different way, and it's a little bit longer. I didn't put it on the paper, but it'll be on the screen. It said, God knows all. I can't understand why he would create someone who he knows is going to end up spending eternity in hell. Why create them just to torture them for eternity? I mean, I understand free will, but he already knows the outcome, so why create them at all? I would rather not exist and spend eternity in hell. I struggle with thinking that such, and I just copied and pasted the question right up there. And so you can see these, these are very similar, similar um, questions, uh, and I'm trying to, to answer kind of groups of questions in this. And, and, and the reason I want to share this is because, because I think it's going to help some people. Um, th- with a lot of these questions, I'm going to be real honest, um, it's really easy just to go, because God wanted to. I mean, can't you just always say that? Like, God is God, and who are we to question God? I mean, I think, I think that's fair. He's God. He knows more than I do. He knows more than you do. He knows more than all of us together do. So if he does something that we don't understand, like, the problem's not with him. It's the same way that we were little. I mean, we talked about kids. I mean, how many times did your parents tell you things when you were little that you didn't understand? And then you got to be an adult, and you were like, oh, I get it. It makes sense now. That's, that's why mommy said not to do that. Like, that's why daddy said not to do that. Well, in some ways, it's like that with God, is, is there are some things that we may not fully ever understand. This goes right in that category. Why does God do anything? I don't know. But he's God, and we don't get to, we don't get to speak into that piece of it. The other thing I want to say is, is I think we're looking at the question wrong. You know, sometimes we don't always ask the right questions. And that's okay. Because we have limited knowledge. We have limited insight. We're like, we're on one piece of this planet looking at our little area with the few people that we know and all the information that we can gather. And we may not have the right question. You know, sometimes the right question changes everything. And so I want to go through some scriptures and, and do my best not to um, speculate, but to try to stay true to, screw, true to scripture. So let's look at this, and, and, and I hope that it'll help you out. And I hope, ladies, that, that you'll understand that I respect you, that I think that women are important, but, but, but by respecting you, I, I just want to jump into the word. And I want to give you some tools, and I want to give you some understanding. So it's, it's not lack of respect, it's the fact that I know that rather than me just to stand up here for 30 minutes and say mothers are awesome, mothers are good, by telling you mothers are awesome and by going into the word, I'm proving to you that that's what we believe. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, 
Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God saw that everything he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and the sixth day. See, the first point I want to put on there is that everything that God created was good. In fact, if you read through the the creation, you can read through Genesis 3 chapters. I challenge you to take your Bible seriously. Dig into the Word. In fact, we talk about raising kids in the right way. Like, I've already shared the gospel with Chloe. Like, I've already done it multiple times. Do you know, baby, that Jesus died for you? I read the scriptures with my kids every night. And I got to do two sets because the boys and the girls are on different levels. And then I read the Bible for myself. And that's why I, I know the word. And I challenge you to read those three chapters and go through it. And if you read through them, you'll find out that God created this, like the animals, and it was good. God created the birds, and it was good. God created the stars and the sun and the moon, and it was good. God created the trees, it was good. God created everything. And every time he creates something, he says it was good. And then God gets to man, humanity, and he ends it with, and it was very good. The world was good. In fact, you can go out there now, and you may see more than good, but you walk out there, and it's good. When the sun is shining, it's good. When you pick up your kids, it's good. When you meet a friend you haven't seen in a long time, it is good. When a little dog comes up and smiles, it is good and plays with you, it is good. There is good out there that you've all experienced. Yesterday, I grilled, and it was hot. That wasn't good. But I got in the pool, and it was good. I just felt great. I was like, oh, it was so hot grilling, so uncomfortable. In fact, I was done grilling, and I wanted to sit down on the chair and just go to sleep. Have you ever been that hot? Like, it's just coming up from here and beating down on me from there. And my kids are like, come in the pool. And I'm like, I don't want to go in the pool. But they're like, come in the pool, Daddy. And that was good. And I was like, I got to be Dad. I work all the time, and all right. But when I got in the pool and I felt that cool water, the pool's not hot yet in our neighborhood. We have a neighborhood pool, and it wasn't hot. And I was like, this is wonderful. Praise God. It was like the angels sang, and rainbows were happening. And and there are good moments, and God saw everything that he created. And it was good, and, and I don't know why God wanted to do that. I don't know why God created this earth and said, hey, I want to create man in our own image, and, and it is good, and man is very good, and, but he did. It wasn't supposed to be bad. That wasn't his plan. But then, we read on, in chapter 2, it says, And the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Do you know that you were created and part of who, what you are is to work? And if you're not working, you know, we want to chill, but working is important. And, and moving and being a part of something, like that's part of who we are, that God has created us to be, to work it and keep it. And it says, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, surely you may eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. 
For in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. See, in there, and I'm going to put a few things, God gave man both some freedom and some boundaries. And outside of those boundaries was evil. Boundaries are not bad. We want to be free, but it's only really free when you're in some boundaries. My kids, I say, you can go out and play, but stay in the yard. Outside of the yard, in the back, there's snakes. Snakes bite you. At least the snakes we have. The snake we had, there was a big, about eight foot, no, not eight foot, probably about four and a half foot snake. Not going to try to exaggerate. Big snake, thick snake, in our backyard. My neighbor came over, picked it up, it bit him. I don't want my kids being bit. Don't go back in that brush. There's a little creek back there. There's boundaries. Boundaries are for our safety. When you drive, it's good to drive with boundaries. I'm from South Florida. I grew up in Miami. And one thing about Miami is Miami has no hills. It's flat. We have actually one. It's called Mount Trashmore. That's the dump. That's the only hill you see growing up. You drive by the dump, and there's a big hill of trash, and that's Mount Trashmore. I don't know if that's official name, but that's what everybody called it. And Miami, everything's in a grid. It was like a planned city. Really easy to drive. Like, this is where I grew up. Everything was flat. Everything was straight. If you wanted to go from 88th Street to 8th Street, you kind of knew the direction to go, and you just went that way. If you wanted to go to 107th Avenue to 97th Avenue, you know where to went. It was simple. Most places I've lived after Miami have not been simple. You guys, names for your roads. I'm new to Virginia. It's like, it's on Witch Duck. I'm like, Witch Duck? Where's that? How does that work? And roads turn. But in Miami, everything was, was straight and narrow and, and organized. There were boundaries. It makes it easier. You get outside those boundaries and things get harder. Don't complain about God's boundaries because they are for your safety. I drove on, I drove on this road. It was called the Beartooth Pass. It was in between Wyoming and Montana. Now, being from Miami, Miami, the elevation is like six feet in the high places. You dig down about four feet, you get water. Like, you, there's the water table. It's that easy. Wyoming, a little bit higher. And we were driving through mountains, and they didn't even put guardrails. No guardrails on the mountains. You look over the edge, and you die. And then somebody put up a sign that said, like, minimum 45 miles an hour. I'm like, minimum? I'm all about going fast. But there was no way I was whipping around those curves at the minimum of 45 miles an hour. I was driving slow. Because without boundaries, you lose a lot of your freedom. And so God did provide boundaries. And then outside of those boundaries, there was some evil. Now, I want you to think through this. Go go put the scripture back up there on the screen, the one that we just read in chapter 2, verse 15 through 16. It says that you will get the knowledge of good and evil. What did I start off by saying? When God created the trees, he said it was good. When God created the stars, it was good. When God created the fish and the birds and the animals, it was good. When God created man, it was very good. They already had a knowledge of good. They knew something of what good was, but what they didn't know was evil. They didn't know evil. They didn't know bad. 
Now, I want you to think through. We can complain that, that this world is evil, and it is. But do you know what I see this as a promise of? That God told man, here's my boundaries. You can do everything but that one thing. And just like man, I could do everything but that one thing. And Eve's sitting over there looking at the tree. All the other trees she can eat from, but the one tree she can't, she's like, hmm. But what God, in his goodness, it wasn't just evil. It was good and evil. And if you can walk out of here with anything, is that even though man sinned, and even though man went outside of the boundary that God had placed, it wouldn't just be evil. There was still going to be some good out there. Like, that's the God we serve. I was talking to my friend in Missouri at the school I worked in. I said, hey, how's your year going? He said, man, it's been hard. We had three kids killed in a car accident at the beginning of the year. If you ever worked at a high school, that's one of the worst things that you can happen is just young teenagers just die in a car accident all their lives. He said, and then one of our staff members, she got a brain tumor. And, and then, you know, she can't, she can't go to work, and she's out of days. So now to keep her insurance up and her, um, her uh, retirement, she has to actually pay $33 for every day she's not at work. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm sorry. He said, but you know what? It's been good. It's brought us together, and our staff is, is raising some money, and we're helping to pay her her bills so she can keep her insurance going, and, and, and it's brought our community together. And, and I want you to know, isn't it always that way? As bad as things get, God doesn't let us get to just evil. He finds a way to bring something good out of that. Something good, even at the worst possible point. Even at, even at the worst possible point in creation, when an innocent man was killed for something he never did. When he was lied on by his best friend and he was sinless and he was tried and convicted for no reason in the most evil act, tortured and beard pulled out and spit upon. When evil was at its worst, when he came to serve and wound up becoming a slave, even at that worst point when humanity showed its ugliness, God brought the greatest good out of that evil. It's the story of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son, if you don't know that story, is, 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 is he had boundaries with his father. He was cared for. He had everything he wanted. My kids, they have AC. They have food. They have video games. They have a backyard. And that's enough. I'm just kidding. They have a lot of stuff. Clothes, all kinds of stuff. But that's within their dad's boundaries. But the, the story of the prodigal son is they were, the son was in the boundaries of the father and he said, give me mine, and he left, and he went out to live life his own way and lost everything he had and spent all his money on his friends that weren't really friends. And it says that the father, in that particular parable, even though the son went out, left the father, the father was still sitting, looking down the road. Yes, the son experienced evil out there, as once he spent all his money, everybody left him. And once he ran out of food, he's, he's working with the pigs and he's, he's eating what the pigs ate. And when the son turns around to go home, the father's arms were wide open. 
There was still goodness out there. And so what I want to talk to you today is God's a lot better than you think he is. If I was to do this, I might have just had a tree of evil. Don't you want to have a tree of evil sometimes? Somebody hurts you? There's no good. You hurt me? You mess with me? It's not good and evil. It's just evil. But our God said, no, that's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When, when and if man stepped outside of God's boundary into evil, God would still show him goodness. The next thing I want to go through, it says, I want you to look at what happened. This is the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. This is the fall. The serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say that you should not eat of any, that tree in the garden? And the woman said, we can eat of every tree. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of that tree in the midst of the garden, nor touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you're not going to die. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, we didn't have to know evil. We didn't have to. How cool would that be? That was God's plan. That you wouldn't know evil. That you'd never know hunger. That you'd never know thirst. That you'd never know sadness. That you'd never know death. Some of you might be without your mothers today. Not God's plan. Not God's perfect design. I mean, like from from how it was set up in the garden. But you see this serpent. The only good snake is a dead snake as far as I'm concerned. But you see this serpent came. And the serpent said, did God really say? Did God really say? And I'm going to make a proposition for you about how we wind up in death. And you see those arrows Put those arrows on the screen. See, the first thing is doubting God. The enemy comes in and he wants to make you doubt God. God is good. The enemy wants to make you doubt God. And then you start to have belief in a lie. See, how stupid is what Satan said? Satan is not a very good liar. I mean, not a very smart liar, but he's a good liar. See, Adam and Eve were created in God's image. I know this is deep, but I'm trying to make it simple. They were created in God's image. More than the rocks, more than the birds, more than the fish, Adam and Eve were created in God's image. And what Satan told them is, first he gets them to doubt, did God really say that? And the next thing is he tells them a really dumb lie. The second you eat that, you're going to be like God. They were already like God. Already made in his image. The enemy wants you to believe in the most stupid things possible. And the world is full of people that believe in stupid things. Look on the internet. Look on your Facebook feed. People believe some stupid, stupid, stupid stuff. Horribly ridiculous dumbness. Now you can't call them out because you'll offend them every two seconds. But people believe garbage. Just horrible, dumb stuff. You're like, do you really think that? Yes, they do. And this is how it happens. He gets you to doubt God. He gets you to believe in a lie. 
And then that leads right to sin and condemnation. And from sin and condemnation, you wind up in death. That's the same story that Adam and Eve played out. It's the same story that the nation of Israel played out in scriptures. It's the same story that you've played out in your own life. Every time you've made a choice and put yourself outside of God's boundaries, it started with really not believing God. Did God really mean that I should be faithful to my spouse? I mean, my spouse is, you know, not meeting my needs. I mean, aren't my needs what's important? Wouldn't it be better if I met my needs? Like, wouldn't I be happier? You start to believe in a lie. And then you move to sin and condemnation. And then you move to death. Every, every, everything goes that same pattern. And I want to set you free from that today. I want to get your thinking right. If you can begin to trust God, we can turn this around. Here's another scripture. It's out of the book of Ephesians chapter 2. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're saved through faith. See, doubting, that was the beginning of the slide to death. Faith is the beginning of the rise to life. I want you to put these next set of arrows up on there. See, when you start to trust God, and you can really say, you know what, I don't know everything. You know who the dumbest people are? The people that think they know stuff. People that think they know everything, they're probably pretty dumb. If you never hear someone ask a question, you can pretty much say, that guy's a dummy. The smartest people I know, they ask tons of questions. It's not because they're stupid, it's because they want to learn. And because they know that this person might know more. When somebody comes into my office, it doesn't matter in my office and my job. If they work for IT, I say, well, why are you doing that? Why'd you put that there? And, and why is that program working? If the maintenance guy comes in, well, how do you do this? If the superintendent walks in, well, how do you do that? See, dumb people don't ask questions because they think they know it all. But if you can put yourself in a place of trust where you could say, you know what, I bet this guy knows something more than me. Now, sometimes you ask a question, you find out they don't know much. But that's knowledge too. But right here, trust in God. You say, God, I'll trust you. And then belief in his truth. If God says it, is it enough? Do you trust his boundary even if you don't understand? Do you trust the boundaries that God has established? Or not? You can be safe. I was thinking about camping. Have you guys been camping? I took my wife camping when she was like nine and a half months pregnant. It was the middle of June. It was hot, so hot. But I promised the kids we're going to go camping, and i got to be a man of the word, my word. And so we went camping. We're going to go camping. My wife's a soldier. All right, she's a soldier, so she walks out there, and I set up the camp. And we get into the tent, and it's like a million degrees. But we're doing this. 
Nobody's happy. Nobody's happy, but we're doing it. And we get into the tent, and it's in southeast Missouri, and there were so many mosquitoes. So many mosquitoes. We had a boundary of that tent. But somebody had to go to the bathroom. So we opened up the boundary because of what they had to do. Fine, you have to go to the bathroom. You opened up the boundary, and nothing but mosquitoes filled the tent. So for the next 45 minutes after they're back in, I'm just killing the mosquitoes, and I'm swapping the mosquitoes, and and there are mosquitoes everywhere, but we're not leaving because we're camping because Daddy said we're going camping, and we're going to have fun. But when we went outside that boundary... We let in a whole mess. Trusting God is, is the ability to stay inside that boundary. To say, God said it, I believe it. I, I'm gonna, I, I don't have to do that. I shouldn't do that. I don't understand why. But I'm just smart enough to trust God, to think that I'm smart enough to know I don't know everything. Trust God that he knows better than me. Then you believe in the truth. Why does Jesus Christ's blood save us from sin? don't know. I know what the scripture says, that, that his blood was shed for us so that we wouldn't have to, that his life took our death, like that, that by living a perfect life, he could pay the price for people that were sinners. Like, I know that's what it says, how it all works out. I don't get how, but I trust him, and I put my faith in him. And then comes grace and justification, and then comes life. So yes, we could say, why did God do this? But like, that's all he's looking for is trust. That's the most wonderful. Just trust him. Think about how silly that is. God, just believe that I'm God. And we're like, no. Can't do that. I know better. We're all stupid. We're all, you've been wrong, I've been wrong. As if, if you haven't been wrong, just wait a few years. And you'll look back and you'll be like, I was such a dummy. I was such a dummy. Why didn't I do that? Have you ever looked back on a decision you made and thought, that was stupid? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I have. God knows best for you. All he's looking is that you would trust him. And I put that in there because a lot of you guys... We're suffering the consequences of Adam's sin. You're in evil. Last week, I talked about some of the stuff going on in my life. I know there's some people in this church that things have been going on in your lives. It's like evil comes. We live in a world that has evil, and we know it. We know when things are wrong. But I promise you, if you trust God, if you trust God, he'll make a way out. He will make a way out, and he makes a promise to turn everything to good. Everything will turn to good. I'm not saying that all the evil will be erased. I, I don't know some things you just can't explain. But I promise you it will be good, and God will turn it around. And you'll look at what the enemy meant for harm. Like the enemy thought he won on the cross. This is God's son. Let's get rid of him. Think about that. That's how stupid Satan is. Let's get rid of him. Let's torture him. Let's kill him. Let's make him bleed. Let's beat him up. Let's rip his beard out. Let's spit on him. Let's whip him. 
Let's kill him. And the very thing that Satan thought he could use to defeat God, God said, no, they're still good there. And in fact, sometimes the greater the evil, the greater the good. So in humanity's darkest point, God was like, I got this. So look at your lives. There's stuff going on. But God can use your darkest parts to turn bright. He can use the worst things that happen to you to turn into your greatest testimony. Amen? I want you to bow your head just for a second. We're going to close. I know it's Mother's Day, and some of y'all got to go spoil your moms, and that's okay. Some of you guys, you're not living the life that God has for you because you've broken down somewhere in this diagram. Maybe you don't trust God. He's just like a spaghetti monster in the sky. I'm telling you, God is real. I'm telling you, you can trust him. Try it. There was a time in my life when I was an atheist. But I tried praying to him. If he's real, he's real. Maybe some of you have started to trust God, but you just don't believe his truth. You've been living by your own set of boundaries. You haven't believed God's word. You're trying to live your life like you're the boss. That is not going to work. That's what repentance is, is just saying, God, I trust you and I'm going to do it your way. Maybe somebody, some of you don't know grace. You don't know that God loves you just the way you are. And that Christ can justify you. That means he makes you just as if you've never sinned. When God forgives you, like he erases it completely. It's not like those pictures on Instagram that you can never delete. Your sins are completely gone. Completely erased. Never to be found again. And when you walk in that, then you'll know life. His spirit will come into you and you'll know the life that God has for you. It's not that God, that question, God wants people to spend eternity in hell. Like how much easier can he make it? Trust him. Follow him. Live, follow him. Trust him. challenge you guys to get into the word to talk to God if there's something really wrong in your life just be real open say God I don't understand this I need to see how you could bring good out of this evil I promise you he'll show you in your darkest point he'll show you something good in your worst in the worst thing that happens God will show up and be faithful. I just want you to leave here encouraged. Amen. God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you that you're faithful. 
I thank you you never leave us and maybe even out of the worst things you can bring good. I know people have got some real pain, experienced some real evil, but I trust that you can be good. I trust you. I don't understand everything, but I trust you. So show us your ways. Help us to know grace and justification and help us to have life. In Jesus' name, amen.